0: Good morning, everyone. It's Lindsay. Um, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, Welcome to Unfiltered Snapshot. And also, I'm now putting it back to gallery view. And I'm also here with Becky. Um, We haven't done this for months. Like, I don't know, maybe August might've been the last time or July, who the heck knows?
1: Yeah, definitely before school started.
0: Well and for those of you that remember um, you know Becky teaches high school, teaches Spanish in New Hampshire and I live outside of Boston. Um, and so so yeah um, I, I you know a question Becky have how has your sleep been recently?
1: Interesting my sleep, interestingly, my sleep has been great. I have been having myself go to bed like I start prepping for bed literally around 7 730. And I am in bed by 8.30, 9 o'clock at the latest. And this even includes on the weekend. So I have been sleeping a ton. Um, and yeah, I sleep like a rock. And I think being pregnant makes me extra tired. So I extra sleep. I don't know. But how is your sleep been? So,
0: oh yeah. And in case you didn't know from last time, Becky's pregnant. How many months are you now? Aww. Um, so we're just past 20 weeks. So past the half baked point. I like how you say we, because at the end of the day it really is you, but no, that's cute.
1: Like you just No, it's like, we too, because this has definitely been a process that I am not bearing alone. He has he has been an absolute saint. Like I'm driving him nuts all the time. I'm literally sitting here eating right now because I eat all of the time. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a, a ride. So we definitely are both pregnant.
0: <laughs> Man. Well, I mean, who? I'd like to—is is he eating a lot?
1: uh Ice cream, a lot okay. of. Okay, okay. That's it's, how we're handling this. And he's also cooking a lot more, and he's been enjoying using his new smoker. So I've been eating venison steaks and all buffalo burgers and all sorts of interesting things. So, yeah, he's rocking that. No, so like the reason I ask about
0: sleep is because to be real, like I don't know if I've slept. I don't think there's been a month that has gone where my where I could say oh my sleep has been normal since I don't know I I like I guess you could say my my surgery intersected with the pandemic so it's kind of it's kind of a blur
1: election of twenty twenty I mean just everything
0: from it was like mastectomy pandemic you know um what else have I gone through? Radiation, you know, all these changes in like the political landscape, racial reckoning.
1: And it was all kicked off with appendicitis. Remember way back when that was a big issue and now that's just like, it doesn't even come up in the conversation. Oh yeah, I had appendicitis.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I had appendicitis summer of 2019. That was the first time ever I had to do surgery. Didn't know that would be a prep for what's going on now. But to go back to the topic, the, the reason I bring up sleep is because, um, you know, I've gotten to the point where I will wake up in the middle of the night, but then I'm also at a point where I will then go back to sleep. Yes. or maybe maybe I, or maybe I slept so early that I wake up so early. So if I don't go back to sleep, eh, you know, at least I got my, at least I got a good amount of sleep. I asked because um, it was, it was still dark out, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When I woke up and um, for many of you, you know that um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, Clearly that's why I had a mastectomy. And so, I just, I've had this thought on my mind for a long time, but sometimes I don't write it out. And I finally wrote it out in one of these online support groups for breast cancer survivors. And this is what I wrote like super early this morning when it was still dark outside. I I asked people in this online breast cancer support group, does anyone have moments where they reflect on their pre-cancer body and think something like, I wish I had saved my nude photos would it be weird if I contacted my ex to find out if he still has copies? And so I didn't know how people would respond. I mean, you know, the purpose of these support groups is that you could just, you know, have some real talk. And at this moment, 49 people have reacted like, you know, they like either did a laughing, mostly, mostly it's like laughing, a laughing reaction some like some caring some some love responses and then different people just I'm not gonna like share people's personal stuff but basically just people this really resonated this really 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 resonated and some people just you know said someone said something like you know thank you for posting this someone said kind of a good idea people are like yes someone someone showed a photo that they got from a friend. Um, I guess this survivor a long time ago, pre-cancer, like, you know, flashed flashed a camera. And so this friend gave them a photo of that. And, and then That's like- epic. And put, but like put like a sensor bar over it. Um, and yeah, I just, who knew that like my middle of the night thoughts like really would resonate with this population. But I had a feeling it would. Like I was thinking to myself, there is no way I'm not, there's no way I'm the only person who's had a thought like this.
1: Yeah, and that's what I love about social media. Now I hate the addictiveness of it. I hate the fact that they've really developed these things so we get stuck in them. But what I do love is that you can find a group for anything And you can find your people on the internet and you can just be yourself and say those things without risk of people judging you. And of course, there's going to be trolls in these groups too, but then they get kicked out. So I love these groups too. I'm in one for pregnancy during COVID. I'm in one for teachers who are pregnant during COVID. Um, yeah, I'm in a house plants enthusiast group on Facebook, so Yeah, I think that's the beautiful thing about social media and social networking is you can literally find your tribe so you can be your unfiltered self. So that's an awesome example of how they're useful.
0: I mean, yeah, that's, and I have told people, like, I know that people think a lot of these platforms are evil. I mean, I definitely know their addictiveness. Did you, because did you get to watch um, The Social Dilemma on Netflix? I haven't yet. You would appreciate it. You would, because it speaks to exactly that, what you're talking about. Um, And yeah, there was a moment where, I I mean, and I think I'm someone who, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I pick and choose what social media I'm a part of and how I want to engage with it. Mm -hmm. But like, okay, I mean, I know that for example, different emails over over time, like this is pre-social media they may have had things like their, like their groups, like Yahoo
1: groups or something, right? Or like, they're probably message, are- boards. message boards were really big in the 90s and 2000s. Cause like my mom found her crew on a message board and we ended up all taking a trip together to Europe when I oh, was I remember a this. Um, and we all became, I'm still BFFs with some of the people that we met on that trip. So Message boards, I think, were like the precursor to social media as we now know it.
0: Well, but like, here's the thing, like, let's say someone started a website and they're like, oh, like, you know, log into this forum and meet other breast cancer patients and survivors. To me, and and who knows, it would have to be a very compelling platform to me would be just like, oh man, one more thing I need to sign up for. Like that's that's like the advantage of social media for better or for worse.
1: Yeah. So that actually brings up a good question. In your in the course of your cancer diagnosis and treatment, did your doctors suggest finding an online support group through social media, or did they it's give you more information about in-person opportunities specifically I, at the hospital?
0: I don't think that's really. Um, I can't speak for all doctors, but in my experience. I think when someone is in in want of like social emotional support they're like oh talk to the social worker or something right but then informal options um I would say that when I was at um because you know I switched hospitals. Yeah. When I, when I started off at a smaller hospital, the social worker had, it was like one social worker, right? And so she had support groups, but they weren't really like, you know, specific to my situation. Like it was like maybe people after or going through treatment, whereas I was in more of the pre-stages of that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so at a smaller hospital, you might not have, there might not be capacity to serve like, your demographic, right? However you define your demographic. Um, But then that person, that social worker just mentioned like, oh yeah, there are these online support groups but by no means did this person say, oh, here's a list. It was more like, oh, like I found it on my own. And then um, when I switched hospitals there were all these support group options. But even then um, I would still say that um, yeah, I mean, I've done a combination of both support groups affiliated with my hospital and those that might be affiliated um, with like broader programs across the country. So actually, an example of this is a partnership that my hospital did with a uh, with a nonprofit. Um, oh, <clears throat> the name of it—it's like it's killing me. Um, hold on, I, I want to. I want to mention them. So there is this organization called Elephants and Tea. Have you ever heard of them before? No, it sounds very interesting. I wonder what they do. So what I'm going to do, like, you can't see this, but right now I'm going to like put this in the chat so that you could like look at the website for yourself.
1: Elephants
0: Um, and Tea. And like here, let me just read off like what they do. So elephants and tea, blah blah blah. I
1: love their slogan. The elephant in the room is cancer. Tea is the relief conversation provides. So, oh I love that. So like so hold
0: on, hold on. What they so the mission, and I'm you, you could all read more of it. Um it's elephantsandtea.com, but on their mission they state um Elephants and Tea is a media company with the mission to help adolescent and young adult patients and survivors and caregivers know that they are not alone in their fight with cancer. So I found out about a workshop that they were going to do um, through, I think, through a mailing list from my hospital. Uh And, or yeah, I'm pretty sure (laughs) I'm on a few different listservs. And it was like a, what was it called? Like healing through writing workshop, I wanna say. I am looking this up
1: healing. I am loving their sense of humor spilling tea with the G's oh my gosh and then they also say join the herd like the elephant herd to sign up for their newsletter it takes a herd to help our cancer community I love this organization just their marketing is solid what a great like PR job they've done. Brilliant cancer number one. Like these are I love the they're talking about cancer and sexuality. Like this is not your typical support group that you would see a hospital send someone to. Is this well,
0: affiliated with your hospital? So it's more like it popped up
1: as an event
0: on the listserv. I see. And so that's how I found out about it. I mean, and then when I got to the actual event, that's when I realized, oh, it's not just my hospital, but other people. And it actually was a small workshop. Um, it was, I think I was one of three people. Um, and I think, you know what? This is what I'm gonna say. Like let, we have, uh, we can come back to the cancer part of this, but this is something that I am finding with, um, with like just Zoom events, right? Um, you know, And I think I noticed this like in different parts of my life, my professional life, my personal life, I think a lot of people are wondering, like, oh, what makes a successful event, right? And I think if people are looking at just the bare numbers of how many people come, that's not the best indicator of what a successful event is. And it's unfortunate because I know people in different parts of my life who are choosing not to do events because they think, oh, it's only going to, you know, serve like, People not even in the double digits or so. But I'm grateful that this, that Elephants in Tea still decided to do this um, healing through writing workshop because, you know, I feel like I'm in a population of people that's in dire need. And I'm happy that when they were deciding, do we do this workshop or not, it didn't hinge on like, oh, did we, did we reach yeah. our goals?
1: Well, we're also not having to pay for like rental space. You're not having to pay for incredible amounts of PR because if you have a newsletter, you just blast it out to your community for free. So the opportunity costs for doing these types of workshops that are really targeted to a specific population have drastically dropped. And using social media as a vehicle helps you to get those people in the room. Like I am, I am definitely thinking about developing some more workshops around supporting teachers and students during hybrid learning. And I keep coming back to that thing. Well, what if only two people show up? But two people showed up, like that's really cool. So um, I, it's just really awesome that we can using the internet now because people didn't think about this stuff as intensely as we do now. Um, But the opportunities to connect with your crew.
0: I mean, and this is something where, okay, I think now that we're talking, I think I'm starting to like notice my passion about this. This is where I would strongly encourage people, regardless of what they do for a living, regardless of what they do in their free time. To really rethink what it means to be like well connected, what it means to build community. Um, and again, what does it mean to be successful? Because yeah. if we're in times where people like myself, you know, we live alone, we might be isolated, or maybe we, maybe like you, like you live with like the same few people or, or same one person, but it, it doesn't mean that that, that, That you don't have any other desire to connect with other people right so so yeah if two people come to your freaking workshop chris doesn't want to talk about
1: plants with me he has absolutely no desire to talk about how incredible that the staghorn fern that you see behind me is doing pretty well like he doesn't want to talk about it but i have people on the internet that are like looking forward to updates on my staghorn fern
0: Wait wait I mean okay like I I've been I've been trying my best as a plant mom but tell me what is so like pe- what what do people need to know about your plant
1: well I mean it's just we all like share photos of our plants and the stuff that we're like watching in our plants and even if it's just like a couple of likes and someone's like oh how cool and then like you build these connections it's really it's really hilarious. And this is my first staghorn fern. So I was kind of excited about it. And they're epiphytes. I think that's epiphytes. So they grow off of other plants. So they don't usually have them in soil. But I have this one in soil because like I haven't had time to go buy like the special pot and stuff that you need for it. But they live off of other plants. So typically people just like attach them to a piece of wood and then hang them on their house or the wall of their house. So I'm doing mine untraditionally.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But yeah, I just love that I can geek out with people and I don't have Chris rolling his eyes at me, even though he does care that I'm happy about my plant. He doesn't care about the genus and species and the light requirements. (laughs) So... So if I propagate a plant, I've got a couple propagations going for some other plants of mine. And like, I take pictures of them and send them to the groups. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at the root growth. And I can talk to people about stuff I care about without driving the people in my physical life crazy.
0: So how are you? Like, I mean, I talked about some of the ways I'm connecting with people. Like, um, I... Like, well, I went hiking on Sunday.
1: Yeah, was that your first solo hike? I mean, I've, so I've done it before. Like, okay, I live
0: close to a reservation Um, for those who don't know. And it actually is a pretty legit one. Yeah, um, That's like in my town and it, it crosses over into bo- uh, bordering towns. But I am someone who is just trying to rely on like a PDF map on my phone. And I kept... I meant for it to be a short hike, like a couple hours, but then I kept like missing turns or getting on the wrong turn. And I ended up like, so it wasn't my first hike, but it was my first like really like strenuous one alone, but it was not on purpose. (laughs) It was- It you was a
1: problem solve. And that's what I love about solo hiking, especially at the specific place you went. Cause that's where I first got confident as a solo hiker was there. Um, because there are so many inter in, interlacing, uh, trails. There's so many different ways that you can go around that park. Um, that you're bound to get lost and the process of figuring out by looking at the maps, triangulate triangulating with where you're at. And it's just, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the process of getting lost and finding my way out there.
0: <laughs> so it was and, I, and like I said, it wasn't my first solo hike, but I guess in the past I've chosen places like where there are more of I guess these are called like bridal paths where it's like, oh, I have, you know, it's like, oh, it's mostly flat, you know, not really challenging. And then somehow I ended up on like the toughest trail. And, but then that's how I had to like find people and be like, wait, do you know what trail we're on? Or sometimes they could help me, sometimes they couldn't. And it was actually interesting when I was on the tough trail and I saw how far I had to go down, I was just like, man, my legs hurt. Like I could feel the cramping in my thighs. I might even go today. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, uh, and, it's um, good
0: out. My um, yeah, like I met this oh, this couple. Um, that and you know, I, I I was trying to explain like, oh yeah, and like I guess those things were getting more challenging. I was like, also, my arm doesn't have the same extension it has had before, and then because of surgery. And then the guy, the guy in this couple is a guy and a a woman. He's like, oh, is it like carpal tunnel? I'm like, oh, I'm a breast cancer survivor they might have felt awkward for like a second but either way they like helped me and then they tried to of course point me in the right direction and I was in the right direction until I wasn't um so I cannot tell you how many times I turned around and so for me it, it's like even though I wasn't doing it with a group it was kind of nice to be out and see other humans yeah right? Um, and even, even though I was for the most part, social distancing, of course, they had to get close to me when I'm like, where are we? And I'm like, pulling out my phone. So yeah, I'm thinking about whether or not I go because actually I walked there and you were so shocked to hear that I walked yeah. the reservation. I used
1: to take the red line all the way to the end and then I would take a bus for a bit to get to where we hiked. And I'm just like shocked because I can't think of a way to walk where it's not dangerous, but there must be another way because I was clearly on like highways and I'm like, oh my God.
0: No, like I, oh, trust me. And I'm someone who knows the area enough. So when I like checked Google maps, I'm like, ha, they're trying to get me through like a very busy area near the highway, no thanks. Mm -hmm. But I was able to figure out which street, Mm when you're crossing the highway, is like more pedestrian friendly. Yeah. Um, oh, and <laughs> you'll appreciate this. So I was basically there all morning. Um. On um, and then. Um. You know. I. Here's the thing. Because I had. I have bags. I try not to make it too heavy, but toward the end I was, cause you know, again, this hike became longer than what I thought. I'm like, I barely have any water. What am I going to fucking do? <laughs> it was really, it was like, I was trying to milk it, man. It, it really, it Looks was great though. What an awesome experience. So I, a, I haven't done over two miles. Way, to go. way so th- to go. That was two miles, just to and from. So that's like at least four miles, right? And then four miles plus a hike. the hike itself. The one that was meant, but you know what, though? I'm happy I ended up on the wrong trail because the wrong trails were the easier trails.
1: So Well, I saw you took a picture of the trail you were on and I'm like, all right, like, that's awesome. I love that trail, but I love it because you have to like sometimes
0: climb up a rock face. I did not like that. What, like toward the end, I actually ex- because there, there's, there's certain points where either like the difficult and the easy trails intersect with each other. And I of course would choose the wrong one. So then, yeah, the couple, with the couple, the guy would ask me, he's like, oh, are you alone? Like, are you from here? And I'm like, I'm not from here, but I've been living in this area a long time. And he's like, are he's like, do you not hike a lot? I'm like, oh, I just try to go with the easier trails. I ended up here on accident, you know, like, cause you could just, it wasn't my first time in the world hiking, but I, I was not like, oh dude, I was wearing leggings that were not meant for like heavy hiking. So there was a point where I'm like, oh Lord, please let the threads stay together. Cause I, it was not, um, yeah, it, it, it was, I'm, I'm glad I survived it. Um, I'm going to have to figure out like, wow, I love it. But, um, oh, but yeah, oh, guess what? On the way back, um, you might've seen that I posted this online. Of course, I saw a few thin blue line flags, right? And like one of them even said Trump 2020 and all that jazz. And this was like a few days, of course, a few days after the election. So I don't know, just given, I'm just gonna give you an opportunity if you wanted to say anything about the election or not. I mean, I know that it's all
1: we hear about
0: yeah. everywhere
1: um here in in new hampshire at least in southern new hampshire where i'm at it's been very quiet um most people have kept up their trump flags um i do notice on my way home or on my way to work somebody took down their trump flag but then put up a don't tread on me flag in its place um can you talk because i kind of I, rec-
0: I recall that from like history class and all, right? Yeah. So what, what's the significance that takes on now?
1: <laughs> so I originally in my head always associated it with the American Revolution. Um, so I always thought about it as like for individual rights and all of that. However, now... And again, I don't know if that's actually what it's from, but now it definitely has taken on more of a white supremacy um, model, I guess. So it seems to be that um, the more individual rights, I put that in quotes, uh, that Mm -hmm. might be offensive, but um, white supremacist kind of angled social groups are clinging to that now. Um, At least that's what I found in my research. And I'm actually ashamed because I had purchased a don't tread on me shirt from a thrift shop years ago, back when I lived in Cambridge. And I wore it all the time because I thought it was like America, like this is as close as I can get to like supporting America. And here I am like walking all over the place wearing it. And then I was in Canada and I was wearing it at a a, a thing. And I got, you know, a Facebook picture taken and posted it on the internet. And my friend was like, oh my God, are you seriously wearing that in Canada? And I'm like, wait, I think there's something more to this than what I think. So I definitely like was embarrassed that I was using this symbol or I was wearing this symbol thinking it meant one thing, but completely has transformed into another thing. But I'm like, I want to look this up right now. I know. I'm like, what is the.
0: So, okay. If we're looking at dictionary.com originating, originating as a motto on an iconic revolutionary war flag. Yup, see, that's mm-hmm. how I remember. Okay, yeah,
1: me too. Don't cut
0: on me is his, yeah, blah, 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 American patriotism. Today, blah, 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 general expression of personal freedom and individualism. In the 2000s, the phrase became associated with a variety of liber- libertarian, conservative gun rights and far-right political groups as a way to express their beliefs.
1: And here- Oh yeah, are- yeah it's the put straight- Okay the tea party was into it, but it definitely is very common up here in New Hampshire. And I didn't know that there was kind of this negative connotation with it until recently. So, um, yeah, but it was very interesting when this, I mean, it was one of those, no more bullshit flags. That's what they had had up, not the official Trump 2020, but the 2020 no more bullshit flags. And so they took that down and put up the don't tread on me.
0: Okay, and let me ask this because, you know, you mentioned earlier that you're pregnant, right? Um, I mean, I know that you have plans to raise your child there. I mean, what are you, what's on your mind as you're thinking about this is where I'm going to raise my kid?
1: Yeah, well, one thing that's reassuring is that my county actually did vote for Joe Biden, Um, I found that to be really interesting, given that I may see like four or five signs throughout town. I mean, it's mostly Trump everywhere. And I was having a conversation with my husband during like right before the election and on election day. And he was like, you know, I just think that the Trump supporters up here are louder. I don't think that there's more of them. And I said, I truly hope you're correct. Um, And then I started thinking if every house that doesn't have a Trump sign in front of it, is a Biden supporter. Again, like, I don't think anyone's really excited about Biden and just was like an anti-Trump vote. But if every house that doesn't have a sign up is not in support of the current president, then Chris is right. It's just that when I see the signs, it's so jarring because I'm like, oh, I make all of these assumptions about the person who has the flag in front of their house. And one might say that that's incredibly rude to do. And I think we've discussed how I feel about that because I've had moments where I kind of like realized that I was making assumptions about other people based on one one thing. But just after everything that's been going on, I just have such a hard time believing that people who are still in support of the current president of the United States of America, there's, there's, there's definitely something where we profoundly disagree on. Mm-hmm. And it, that human rights are human rights. Like there should not be these different types of limiting of things. And it, it makes me very, it makes me a little nervous, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you know, I have loved ones, people from my childhood who've been supporting the current president. Um, you know, I think there are people, I put it this way, like, you know, recently I've had to, like I don't do this a lot but like I did unfriend someone in social media and for me it's not that I stop loving these people but you kind of just need to know your boundaries you take a break for your own self well and here's the thing there are all these dialogues I was actually um in a council meeting last night where there was a workshop on how to have uncomfortable conversations um I was um no it's funny I got like where's this um Oh my gosh, who's the name? What's the name of that um,
1: that trans woman from Orange is the New Black? Oh, I can't remember her name either. Hold on.
0: Like, sorry, this is where you're gonna see that I'm like not
1: Sophia Borsett or is no.
0: Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Well, from like the older seasons, it would have been Laverne Cox, right? Laverne Cox, okay.
1: Yeah, so what I was going yes, to- Yes, that's her character name is so, uh Oh, okay, okay, okay. Goes yeah. to show you how much I watch it. I, I haven't either. But. <laughs> but like, you know, I think I saw her
0: do an interview. It might have been with, I, it was with Trevor Noah, like a, lot, a while ago, right? Like it was during pandemic times. And, you know, she was talking about how there is like that difference between being uncomfortable and unsafe. Yeah. And I think especially for people from more minoritized and marginalized backgrounds, we have to make that distinction. Yes. I mean, I think just by nature, you know, whether it's like being a woman, woman of color, being queer, you know, trans, whatever it is, we're already in situations where we're forced to feel uncomfortable, whether we wanted it or not. When it starts to feel unsafe, and again, only we can decide that for ourselves, we need to draw up those boundaries. Yep. And, yeah. and that's really, you know, it's unfortunate. There are certain people I am not talking to either period or talking to as frequently, but um, but yeah. And it's like, okay, we could agree to disagree, but, but I, I know where I
1: stand on certain issues. And I need to so keep the this, this space that I am interacting in as safe as I can for myself. That means physically in some cases, but emotionally as well. Like it is hard to see people that you care deeply about saying and sharing things that hurt you. (laughs) So definitely. And I think that that's something that, I don't know, the the question you post is how do I plan on raising my child in a, a state where there are very, very strong and vocal disagreements about things and in a place where you can walk into an election polling site open carrying a gun. Like, that's legal here. Um, I think it's just going to spark a lot of interesting conversations with their peers and them coming home and asking questions or them seeing things at people's houses. Um, Yeah, I think it's just going to cause it's going to be the impetus for a lot of really interesting and in-depth conversations from a young age. And when I was young, my mom had those conversations with me. I remember having these really deep conversations about issues that were, you know, a little bit more taboo back then, but my mom never shied away from them and really implored me to think about them and come up with my own opinions and um, never straight out told me what was right or what was wrong. So I really appreciated that. So I'm hoping to give my child a very similar experience where they feel like they can come up to their own conclusions and, you know, I'll support them. So,
0: so, okay. We're talking about the child you will have. You have a job where you are working with other people's children. What's that like now?
1: (laughs) Hell, um we're currently in operating in what I like to call hybrid hell. um to all of the teachers right now I know that this is a tough time but for those of you who are teaching remotely when we were remote for two weeks it was like the first two weeks that I felt like I could breathe this school year um hybrid is so tough and with my school's policies, the kids can opt in and out of remote and back into hybrid and then back into remote as they wish. So they're not set in stone. So I never know on a given day who's going to be in my classroom. Um, I never know how many students will be in my classroom. I don't know how many will be online. Um, And it has now gotten to the point where in the beginning of the year, it was 50-50. It was easier to manage um, because I was able to say, all right, well, I have 12 kids online. You guys work on this. I have you know, about 10 kids in person, but two of you are fully remote. So then I'll zoom in those two kids into class. And it was easy Err, it was still hard, but it was easier because I could focus on only two remote relationships and then the rest of the in-person relationships. But now it is completely flipped to where I have 20 online students and four in-person. And it's really hard for me to even say, okay, at the 50% mark, you 12 do this, you 10 log on with me and I'll hang out with these four. That's still really, really, really difficult because I'm either robbing the kids on the computer of a connection or I'm robbing the kids in person of a connection. And before it was like, all right, I can do two kids online meagerly well, like I can deal with it. But now it's like these kids in person are in school because they really need that human connection. Like that's why they're there. And if I stick them on a Zoom call while I'm in front of them, then it, it just, it, it defeats the entire point of them being in school. So yeah, it's been hard. It's been really hard. I have definitely not worried about my curriculum. I am focusing on, Giving my kids fresh starts, like when they've missed class for three weeks and they haven't turned anything in. And so now consequently they're failing my class. I just send a video message home to mom and dad and to this child and saying, Hey, like I know you've fallen behind and I know things are tough. If we meet and talk, I'll exempt you from everything you missed and I'll give you a fresh start. What do you say? Is that the right thing to be doing? I don't know. Is it what I would do, what I would want a teacher to do for me? Yes. So I'm just trying to operate under the, what would I want a teacher to do for me if I were in that student situation? So that's just how I've been evaluating what I'm doing in the classroom.
0: You know, it really makes me think about what we were having at the beginning of this conversation or close to the beginning of this conversation, talking about like, oh, events, whether they're for our professional or personal lives and, you know, like, how are people thinking of success and all of that stuff? How are they thinking about connection? Um, it just, it, it really makes me feel like, you know, pro- there might be those people who are still going on to like carry on with business as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sure, I, I, I can give people credit for that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I also think that if we don't acknowledge that all these other people who can't keep up with business as usual, um, if they can't do that, it's obviously because of larger reasons and, yeah, I have a fear because like not every teacher is going to respond like you. Not every supervisor will respond like that.
1: And I don't know if it's the right response either, because there are a lot of teachers who believe what I'm doing is not fair because then the kids who've been pushing through and the kids who have been coming to every class and the kids who've been struggling to do their work aren't getting the extra acknowledgement, right? Like, 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 oh, like you're still
0: able to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, because, I mean, I think someone might counter that and say, well, they probably, probably have certain privileges that allow them to do that. Like maybe they have a better internet connection. Maybe their parents or guardians, whoever, um, you know have been able to set up a life for them where they can do this learning with ease I mean, but if you think about it, whatever inequities were before the pandemic are there. They're just now manifesting themselves differently. Um, but then, I don't know if we get if we get back to like say non-pandemic times. It's like it's it's funny. Then then do you stop acknowledging that those inequities exist?
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I. I actually was speaking with a family member who is um, a part of the leadership at her school and they're getting ready to transition to hybrid learning. And I just said, hey, these are things that nobody is talking about. This is really truly what's going on in these kids' homes. Like every single person in the household, including teachers' households, their schedules are now upside down two days a week, they're in school, two days a week, they're at home, one day, they're either at home or at school, just kind of depending on what the schedule follows. And then some days, there's too many sick teachers. So we're all waiting for a text message to say if we actually have to come into school or if we're remote. Every single morning, we're waiting for that text message about if it's okay to come to school or not. Like we don't get one if it's okay. We get one if it's not okay. So I basically spend the first hour and a half of my morning glued to my phone waiting to see what the announcement is. Like it's, and then parents have to think, am I driving them to school? Am I making them a lunch? Do I have to prepare a lunch to leave in the refrigerator? Do I have to arrange for a babysitter? Do I have to make sure that I call them? So I know that they're up in school at 7.00 AM because it's really hard for a teenager to be up and on their own and ready to go to school at 7.00 AM. Like, do I have to knock on their door this morning? Do like, it is so hard. We're expecting these 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-olds to act like college students. When oh, they're college, college students
0: like, don't even act like college students, come it's, on.
1: But it's, it's, there's a whole lot of personal responsibility that has been thrown at these kids. And I don't hear anyone acknowledging how incredibly difficult it is to not have a schedule. I'm losing my mind because my schedule's all a mess. I never remember what students I'm gonna have that day. That's terrible to say, but I can't keep track of it because it flip-flops all the time. I don't know who's gonna be in front of me that day. And since everyone's switching between remote and hybrid, I'm just barely getting to know my students. It's November. (laughs) So, while I want to be remote again, because then everyone's at least in the same position. I know how hard it is. I was talking to some students in my study hall yesterday and she's like, the only reason I'm here is because I'd fail chemistry because I, I can't handle the days that we do chemistry remote because the teacher's internet connection falls out. Mine falls out. It's a live class. So if I miss anything, then I'm, I'm screwed because it's not like the information's recorded. Yeah. So because we can't in New Hampshire, we're not allowed to record our live classes. So- It's a state law,
0: like is it for privacy
1: reasons? Yeah, New Hampshire has some of the toughest student privacy laws in the country. So I do technically have permission now because I've written every single one of my parents to request in writing permission to record classes. I don't do it yet because I think the little tiny bit of participation that I get from my students, each class online, is due to the fact that they know it's not being recorded. If they knew that we were recording and posting every class, they wouldn't even take a chance at responding or turning on their mic. I would lose them 100%. I mean, I said last class, and I'm going to have to have a conversation with my kids, but last class, I was like, all right, guys, so we're going to do our first like speaking activity online. I'm going to divide you guys up into four breakout rooms. And as soon as I said that, log off, log off, log off, log off. Mm because they were petrified. So clearly, that's something I need to either rethink. I'm not going to force them to do it, because if it's so terrifying that they're going to log off the call, (laughs) there's something wrong. And I want to address what's wrong. But a lot of teachers are taking this personally. A lot of teachers are like, I put all this effort in, and then they don't even show up. or I can't believe this kid has missed three weeks of class, but is filling out the attendance form. So why are we now marking them as present? Like I get that there's there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now and a lot of stuff doesn't seem fair. I get it because fair is a different thing right now in schools. And I love that we're having the opportunity to rethink all of this stuff, but. You're right, success and fairness. Like what is
0: equitable? What's the point? Well, biggest <laughs> question. What's the point? No, I I hear you. I hear you. Um, I know we're gonna have to like uh, log off soon, but I'm also I'm recognizing we had so much to talk about. I didn't even acknowledge that today's Veterans Day.
1: That it is, which is why we're able to have this call because I'm at home relaxing.
0: I can't remember if you have any like veteran connections or i think you had a cousin and stuff
1: i do i have a cousin um who was in afghanistan um unfortunately passed away upon uh, being discharged um and then um i have a grandfather who was in the navy a grandfather who was in the air force i think he may have been navy um and I had a grandfather who was in the army. So I have a lot of older family relatives. And then I, cause my like parents and like their generation were like anti all of that stuff. Most of them were hippies in some capacity. So, mm-hmm. um, and they missed the the Vietnam draft by a couple years. So, yeah. but in the younger generation, just my cousin.
0: Yeah. Like I, um, one of my cousins is a veteran, you know, from the Navy, um, and then one of my exes um, is a vet, is a vet as well, um, and it's just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I, I don't. No, actually, when I was in college, I used to do writing with one of my, um, w- with one of my grade school friends when he was deployed, because, mm-hmm. because, yeah, like we were at that. Like when I was in college, some of these people were like you know, fighting the fight. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Like all this stuff has happened and who knows what's next for us. <laughs> I mean, we shall see, like, we know what the results of the election are. We will see what the transition looks like. Um, yeah. I, I have so many
1: words on that, but
0: that could be another conversation altogether. Do you have any um, last thoughts before we wrap up?
1: Just be kind. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others. That's what I've just trying. I've been trying to do. And this morning, I got up and I was like, "We're gonna have a good day today." And I've just so far had the best morning ever. So, um, just try to make time for good things to happen because we need all the good things we can take.
0: I hear that. Yeah. And and on a final note, aside from be kind, I would say love justice. And, love justice. and my God, FYI, justice and accountability are different, but love them both. All right. Well, you all um, have a good rest of your day. Happy Veterans Day. Bye, everyone. Bye.